Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. You know why I read Joshua? The title of chapter 6 is about the destruction of Jericho. How many know what the Jericho walls were? So it's hard to kind of give you a depiction of what's happening here in chapter 6 unless I go back um, a few years earlier. As a matter of, matter of fact, 40 years earlier. The children of Israel were bound in Egypt. As a matter of fact, the children of Israel were called God's people, Waldy. He'd always spoken blessing over them. He said, they are my chosen people. And whoever blesses Israel, I would bless. And whoever curses thee, I will curse thee. New King James Version. And it's amazing how bound Israel stayed over the years. I almost entitled this message, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? That's a whole other message all in itself. 400 years God was silent and allowed the children of Israel to be bound under the, the gavel of Pharaoh, one of the Egyptian kings. God sends Moses to be the deliverer. He sends Moses to Egypt Moses says, let my people go. He finally lets them go after God sends plagues, 10 plagues, I believe it was. Is that right, Waldy? He finally lets the people go. And then they end up in the wilderness, not just for a year or two after God promises them to bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know what kind of leader leads his people in the wilderness for 40 years walking in circles. And then finally, finally, they come to the Jordan River. Now, I don't know if you know what the Jordan River is, but Moses died and the baton gets handed to Joshua. He's the new leader. He was the associate pastor in their day, those thousands of years ago. And so they come to the Jordan River. And if you do a study on the Jordan, of R- Jordan River, they would dump trash in the Jordan River. The Jordan River was dirty. It was full of bacteria, nasty. Even when they, they told Naaman to go and wash in the river and he'd be healed, he, he cringed and said, in the Jordan River? Jordan River, Jordan River is nasty. It's dirty. It's filled with dead bodies, trash. But God was calling the people of Israel to enter into the promised land, but in order to get to the promised land, they had to cross their Jordan. It's amazing what you have to cross in order for you to get to your destiny and get into the land of your promise. And I also thought, How many dirty things God has used in my life to wash me clean? After 40 years, they come to the brink of the river. And now they're being asked after 40 years of suffering to walk walk around the Jericho wall. And God said, hey, listen, I want you for six days, I want you to walk around this wall. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk seven times. And after the seventh time, I want you to blow the trumpets. Then your walls are going to fall. Now, here's my issue. I started wondering to myself, I started sensing, God, what do you want to prepare for your people? What would you like to say to your people? And he said, what if they would have stopped on the sixth lap? The message this morning is called, you are too close to quit now. Somebody look at your neighbor and nudge him. You're too close to quit now. Look at your second choice. And say, you're too close to quit now. Amen. I feel that there is somebody in this room who's been walking around the walls of your Jericho. The walls of your marriage. The walls of your finances. You've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Maybe it hasn't been 40 years. Maybe it's been one year. Maybe it's been two years. 
You've been walking around that mountain of debt maybe. Maybe you've been walking around a loss of job opportunity. You've been walking in the wilderness for 40 years and you're like, God, where are you at? And you're just walking and walking and you, and, and, and you just can't get the energy to go any further. And I heard God say to me, you're on your last lap. You're on your last lap. Look at somebody and say, you're on your last lap. <laughs> yeah, I waited too long. I've, I've, I've fasted too much. I've prayed too long. I've cried too many tears. We've been married too long. Too many kids. Too many heartaches. Too many, too many, too many years of investment. Too much money spent to give up on the sixth lap. If you'll go to verse 2 of chapter 6, I want you to quickly read this with me. I'll read verse 1 to give you some substance here. I'm going to go back and kind of read it and give you a few points along the way. It says in verse 1, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Now here's what verse 2 says. Pay attention. And the Lord said to Joshua, See. Somebody say see. see. He's telling Joshua to see I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. Now I have a problem with this, Waldy. I have a real issue with this verse. Help me out because you're saged. He, he just, he just he's, he's got more experience than me. So I'm, so I'm struggling with this scripture this week. He, he said... Now, Jericho was securely shut up. But verse 2, he says, See, I've given this city into your hands. Have you ever had God promise you something in the spirit, but in the natural it looks completely opposite? Oh, I'm going to sit down right here. We're going to preach today. Have you ever had God promise you an awesome paying job, but you, you struggle to tithe? Have you, ever got, have you ever had God tell you to marry someone who promised you a bright, beautiful future, tiptoes through the tulips? <laughs> she was so beautiful, so promising, looked so wonderful. And the, night, the next day you, you, you married her after the, you know, after the honeymoon, you woke up next to her and her hair was up in buns and curls and breath was smelling funky. and It didn't look like what you were promised. Did God ever promise you if you're going to start a business and financially prosper you? But yet you're on your sixth lap and you're like, God, you promised me. But in the natural, it looks nothing like, looks nothing like what you promised me. PowerPoint number one, see from God's perspective. Nudge your neighbor and say, see from God's perspective. God is omnipotent. Uh, om, omniscient. Does anybody know what omniscient means? That means God is all-knowing, but not just all-knowing. It says he's all-seeing. That means God sees the end at the very beginning. He knows what that spouse is going to become. Oh, Jesus. While you're looking at the walls, God's looking at the promise. And he's simply trying to get you to catch up and say, see, see, Jotty, see, I know it looks like a fortified wall. Now, I don't know if you know about the, the, the walls of Jericho, but it was a mile around. Its perimeter was one mile and it was very tall. You couldn't, you couldn't breach it because the walls were so high. 
But the good thing about God is when you pray and you seek the Lord, and do you know why I had her worship? It's because worship has the ability to bring you high so you could see over the walls of your promise. And I love how God speaks at the very beginning of what the end result is. So my encouragement today is don't give up on the last lap. I've seen people inches away from their destiny, inches away only to fall short. The Lord knows that you need a glimpse. He knows you need to see the end at the beginning because he wants, he wants you to have encouragement for the journey. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it funny how God reveals what the end result is, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't give you the details of the opposition you're going to face. Now, that, that's good right there. He says, okay, yes, you're going to be an, a business owner, Eric. I, I have a good, uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's, he's worked for me for, for about three years now. And you know what he said to me? He said, Donnie, he says, how do you do this? And that was a compliment to me. He said, how do you keep all this work going? I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, and I thought to myself, when he's really asking for a promotion, you know what he's really asking for? He's really asking for a headache. Because I've lived long enough to understand that God's promises come with opposition. I, I know that though he promises you a milk uh, land flowing with milk and honey, and you'll get there. Oh, you will get there. So you'll get there. But you, you have to eat of the plate of bitterness and hardship and trial and pain before you get there. You'll have to cross a Jordan River or two. You'll have to climb some walls. Now, you may die trying, but make sure, you, you know, I, there's no mountain. I've refused in my life to, 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 to not receive God's promises. If it comes hell or high water, I don't care what mountains i got to climb. I will, I will crawl up any wall that I have to climb. I will die with dirt beneath my fingernails if I got to, but I'm going to get what God has promised me. But what I thought to myself when he asked me that, I said, this young man, no offense, he doesn't understand. He's standing on the back of someone who's paid a price. He's, he's standing on the back and seeing, you see, our generation is so different today. I always call out Waldy because Waldy's, Waldy's my buddy. These young people today, you know, microwave. Oh, I got God's promises. Oh, God's got me my Boaz. Put it in a microwave for 30 seconds and it's done. Our daughter, Imara, is so funny. She's so beautiful. I love her so much. And she said, she, we were t telling her about, you know, work ethics and how, what it takes, you know, what hard work takes and what it's going to look like in her future. And she said, I'm not doing none of that. I'm going to have people working for me. I said, little girl, you have no clue on what Jordan lies ahead of you. You have no clue on what, Jordan, uh, what, what Jericho walls you're going to have to climb before you enter into your promises. But our generation today, they don't want to walk around the Jericho walls. They don't have the energy. They think it's pop it in, pull it out, and eat. But God's promises take work to get there. Amen? You know, it may cost you more than you want to pay but the blessing will be greater than you ever dreamed of. God's blessings will cost you something, 
it costs you something. This, what you see here, it's great, and it's a little slim this morning on, on Labor Day, but to think that this is only nine or ten months old is absolutely amazing, but you are literally standing on the back of people's prayer. You're standing on the back of people who have fasted for you. You're standing on the back. When this place was empty, I remember Pastor George, Waldy, myself, all the team leaders, we were going through praying and declaring over the seats that these seats would one day be full, and you guys are standing on the back of people who have paid the price in the Spirit to see what's happening in RCC because any great promise comes with a price tag. Amen. Go to Joshua verse 3, which is the next one. Next verse, next verse. Is everybody okay? Am I preaching to the right crowd? Amen. Verse 3 says, and you can put it up on the screen, Zach. You shall march around the city. All you men of war, you shall go around the city once, and this you shall do six days. Point number two, faith will work if you work it. Now, don't look at a girl when you say this, but look at somebody and say, work it. <laughs> work it. Faith will work if you work it. I said look at a male. I seen you over there, y'all singles. Faith will work if you work it. Now, my wife always is making fun of me. Y'all don't get religious on me. You can have fun in God's house. My wife always makes fun of me because, well, let me, let me just say this. In this verse, he didn't say grab your weaponry. He didn't say use your natural resources. He didn't say go cut these people's head off, draw the sword, get your fiery arrows out, and let's take the city. He said walk. Because we walk by and not by, not by sight. My wife is always making fun of me because, see, when I go to the gym, she's always asking me, did you walk on the treadmill? I go to the gym about three or four days a week. I know y'all can't tell. I said I like going to the gym. I didn't say I was in shape. <laughs> Oval's a shape. She said, did you get on the treadmill? I said, no, I didn't get on the treadmill. I got up under 315 today and benched it a few times. I, some bar benders. I'm, I like lifting weights. I'm strong. I like, you know, I like lifting. I don't like exercising. And if you like exercising, I don't like you because I just like to lift weights. People who like to stay in shape, y'all can just stay away from me because I like to eat and I like to lift. That's about it. Okay? So my wife is always like, did you get on the stair stepper? Did you get on the treadmill or the elliptical? Now, in verse 3, he says, walk around the city. Don't fight. Don't fight. Faith will work if you work it. So at the gym, I'm lifting these heavy weights because I'm thinking, man, if I go to the job and the guy's like, would you binge this morning? You think I'm going to be like, I walked on the treadmill. I'm not going to. You know, how am I going to feel if I tell the guys, honey, if I was on the elliptical that morning? They're asking me how much I squatted or how much I benched. I mean, I'm not working, you know, with females. I'm working with a bunch of strong males who climb ladders and pick up heavy things. And so, 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 so us guys, we, we express natural strength. We're not, really, we're not really, we're worried about our natural strength. We're not worried about walking and exercising. But God told these guys to do something new, supernatural. He said, walk. Somebody say walk. Use your faith. God gives victory. 
through your obedience. Now, here's the deal. Obedience is up to you, but the results are up to God. Come on, you can say amen to that. The obedience of your faith is up to you, but the result of what God is going to do is left up to him. Come on now, y'all ain't talking to me. It's not through physical determination. Success does not come through just physical determination. It comes through faith. These walls came down because they seen what God seen. And they had faith to believe what God said. And we walk by faith, as we said, and not by So we use our spiritual gift as a weaponry against the enemy to cause our walls to fall because it's not in your natural resources. Your money's not going to get you out of this. Your money will not bring you over the finish line. Your resources aren't going to make you cross the finish line. Your own abilities will not make you cross the finish line. It's your prayer. It's your fasting. It's your pressing into God. It's using your faith because we speak those things that be not as though they were. And what was so amazing about these guys is that they're walking... I mean, can you imagine them going home after a long day and they done told their wives they're about to go fight the city because the women weren't with them. They were not with them. It was men, solely men. And it says men of war. So Joshua asked men of war to go out and walk. I mean, can you imagine going home after the first day? Hey, honey. Did you kill him today? Did you take over the city today? Well, just, you know. We just took a walk around the city. You know. <laughs> just walking. Walking? Stop playing with me. You know, you all destroyed this city today. No, no. No, we just sat down, you know. We walked around the city, got hungry, and had some lunch, you know. You know. They were using their spiritual... I mean, think about how embarrassing that is. You know, it's amazing how people are ashamed to exercise their faith. Even the Bible says, if you're, afraid, if you're ashamed of me and my words, of him I'll be ashamed of when he comes into the presence of my holy angels. Don't be ashamed of what fasting does. Don't be ashamed of what God's miraculous power will do through your prayers, through your fasting, and through your pressing into God's miracle-working power. Because faith will work. If you, if you work it, somebody say, work your faith. Work your faith. You got to work your faith. Joshua... Chapter 6, verse 4, just the next verse down, says, And the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. Point number three, refuse to give up even when you don't see results. Mm, that's so good. I can just, I can just stop. Right there. Refuse to give up even when you don't see the results. Now, I love when God shows me, like, the results. Like, uh, he kind of sometimes, I, I mean, imagine if they're walking around this city one time, two times. This is one day at a time. It would be amazing and encourage me highly if, if God, like, knocked a rung of the, you know, the walls down each time I walked around it. You know, day number one, he knocked down the first layer. Day number two, the, I mean, it would give me real encouragement. Just like when I go to the gym, like I come home and I, I speak about the gym a lot because I like the gym. I like the gym. I come home and I still flex. I flex just about every day to my wife. I'm like, has it changed yet? And she's like, honey, it still looks the same. I'm like, no, you, see, you, you don't got no faith. Look, it's getting bigger. 
It's getting better. It's getting harder. And she's like, no, no, really, it's pretty much the same as it was last week and the last year before and the two years before. It looks the same. I would love if God would encourage us with a little bit of results. And God told me to tell somebody today, don't stop what you're doing because it's working even when it doesn't look like it. Don't stop praying for that spouse. Don't stop reading your word. Don't stop fasting. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing because it's working even when it doesn't seem to be. It is working. You got to keep walking by faith and not by sight and keep pressing in and lay hold of the horns of the altar until God breaks through. But just because you don't see the results doesn't mean it's not working. Even when a farmer sows seed, he knows that the crops aren't going to pop up overnight. He knows that when he spreads those seeds, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some watering. You know, somebody the other day was like, how do you know, basically asking me, how do I grow my faith? And of course, I brought him to Hebrews. I said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now, sometimes you just got to water your faith, but don't expect because you sowed a seed last night that you, you're going to expect orange trees to pop up and you're going to start picking and eating good the next day. It's, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes God's miracle working power takes time. Somebody say it takes time. It takes time. Yeah, he's working on that situation. He's working on that job opportunity. He's working on that miracle to happen in your house. Don't stop doing what you're doing. Don't stop short. Don't stop short. Let's go to the next verse. Actually, let's go to Galatians 6, verse 9. And hold your finger at chapter 6 of Joshua because we're going we're gonna to actually go back there. But if you'll go to Galatians 6, 9 quickly. Everybody okay? Yeah. Amen. I know y'all are the real Christians here. If you show up on a holiday weekend, y'all are the real believers. Amen. No offense to you watching by stream. <laughs> Amen. Galatians 6, verse 9. And it says, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap. But here's the condition. Here's the condition. Don't lose heart. That's telling me that you can still be doing the right thing, but if you lose heart, you're going to miss out on the blessing that God's, God has for you. Don't lose heart. Nudge somebody say, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't backslide. backslide. Refuse the temptation to give up. Keep your focus on the prize. I see somebody hitting people out there. Y'all y'all be gentle. I'm going to have to pray for y'all. I have some hood people up in here that might hit back. Be careful now. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Even when it looks like it's not working, you have to work it. You have to till the ground, sow the seed, water your seed until God breaks through. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap if you faint not. In Joshua 6, verse 6, as I read, it says, Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. Point number four. Don't expect God to give you the victory your way. 
Oh, man, that's so good. That's a drop-the-mic verse like Pastor George would say. Don't expect God to give you the victory your way. Stop trying to look at it in the natural. No, he's not going to do it your way. Our selfish selves, our limited mind, in Isaiah 55, as a matter of fact, he says, My ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's higher than yours. He can see what you can't see. Because if he did it your way, you would get the credit. Oh, y'all ain't talking to me now. And God is, you know, I was looking up one of his names. And do you know that one of his names saying that God, God is a jealous God? One of his names is jealous. I was teaching this at the Journey Weekend. That means he doesn't want to share the credit with you. That means he wants the glory. So don't expect God to do things your way. And you think just because you've fasted and you've prayed and maybe you've given a little bit, you expect God to do it one way, but yet God's going to, he's planning to do it another way. It's because God uses time, prayers, heartache, and pain to humble you and allow you to see, if I did it when you told me to do it, you would have got the credit and you would have taken the glory for it. But I share my glory with no man and no woman. Don't expect God to do it your way. You should look at your neighbor right in the face, square in the nose and say, don't expect God to give you the victory your way. As I was thinking in this verse, it says they brought ram's horns, if I'm not mistaken, in verse 6. It says, let them take up the Ark of the Covenant and the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns. Where's Lou? Where's Lou? He's with the kids. Now, Lou's from Pine Hills. Who's from Pine Hills? Oh, she's from Pine Hills. I wouldn't even raise my hand if I was you. I'm just playing. You know where I went to school? I went to Carver Middle School, an F-rated school. And if you would have bought a ram's horn to the fight, you would have got your tail beaten. I mean, that's like nowadays if you come with a guitar. I don't know where Edwin's not here today. I would ask him to come up with a guitar. That's like God telling you to go fight a legion of armies and telling you to bring your guitar. That's what a country boy would say, guitar or guitar or ram's horn. It's amazing to me the tools that God uses to get you to win your victory. And it's amazing because when he's talking about the ram's horns in verse 6, he says, if you could put it back up on the screen, Zach, verse 6, and Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. In the, in the natural, they're carrying a trumpet. But if you could see what it really is in the spirit, yeah, see, that's when y'all need to get excited because you don't understand what kind of weaponry you have when you open up your mouth. That's why it's important. This is why we praise and we worship. 
This is why we lift our voice in the heavenlies and we praise God because it brings you to a place in the heavenlies where you find victory over your enemy and you end up in an atmosphere in a place in the spirit where the enemy cannot touch you and if he could touch you your ram's horn is no longer a ram's horn it's a sword it's weaponry it's an arrow it's your weaponry that's going to defeat your enemy it's the very tool that God is going to use to bring down the walls of your Jericho and so as you learn to worship God and praise God and adore God and lift up his name in spite of your situation, in spite of how you're feeling, in spite of what it looks like, God will give you the victory as you open up your mouth and declare the goodness of God and declare his goodness and how worthy he is and you lift up to a place where the enemy can no longer reach you and you're above the walls looking down into your promise and you know without a shadow of a doubt that God is going to give me this victory because now you can see things the way that God sees them. Because God doesn't use natural resources or human ability. He can get more done with you resting in Him than you can in your own ability. Stop fighting. Stop fighting the processes of God. His ways and His ways and His thoughts are so much higher than ours. And He doesn't use the same tools that you would particularly use. Don't expect God to give to victory your way. Your way. Somebody say God's way. What did that one country singer sing that just came to my mind? Y'all lucky I can't sing. Jesus, take the wheel. Y'all know. Amen. Verse 8 says this. If we could put verse 8 up on the screen. It says, So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that seven priests, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. And the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. This is the absolute most important part. Is everybody listening? Everybody's attention. This is the most important part. And I want you to write this down. Put it up on the screen, Zach. The Ark of the Covenant. Does anybody know what that represented? It was the presence of the Lord. They said you literally felt the presence of the Lord when the the Ark of the Covenant was being carried the broken Ten Commandments was there. This is before Jesus came, before he released his spirit in the earth. So the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence. Don't forget to bring God's presence into the fight with you. This is the most important thing I could ever tell you. If you're going to win the victory, yes, it's great to see things from God's perspective. Yes, it's, it's good not to refuse to give up when the results don't look like they're there. Yes, don't expect God to give you the victory your way. Yes, I believe in all those things, but above all these other things, don't forget to bring God's presence into the situation with you. Don't expect God to bless your marriage if he's not the center of your marriage. Ah, I'm young and I'm learning that. Notice I said learning. I'm only 32. I'm learning. Don't expect God to give you the victory at your job or promote you if you're not operating in his principles. If you're not inviting God into the situation, what makes you think that you're going to get the victory? You may have certain levels of victory, but unless God's presence goes with you, and and I believe even Moses says that. When he was walking around the wilderness for 40 years, it said there was a cloud by day and a fire by night. And when God moved, they moved. 
And my encouragement to you is don't move unless God goes with you. If you know you have no direction from the Lord, you do not move. You stay right there because you can only find victory. You can only find salvation. You can only find peace. You can only find the assurance that you're going to win the victory with God's presence goes with you. Without his presence, we're nothing. The enemy will surely defeat us if his presence doesn't go with us. Now this, in this particular chapter, this is their first major victory. But as they go on, they go on to fight Ai, and they go on to take over all of Israel. But they lost some battles. And you know why they lost some of the battles? They forgot to bring God's presence with them. Don't forget, Eric, I know God's got major places for you, my friend, and I can see God's heart in you. I can see his presence with you. But my encouragement to you is no matter how far he promotes you, don't leave his presence behind. If you want to know my secret, it's the secret place. Oh, those who dwell in the secret place of the Almighty shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Almighty shall dwell. And that is the place of victory is when we allow his presence to go with us. In spite of how much God promotes you, in spite of how much he blesses you, in spite of how great your marriage is, I, I know that you're a real Christian when you're praying, even when it's going good. Yeah, yeah. I only got like three amens out of that. But you know you're a saint when things are going really good because you keep praying because you know that good times don't always last. And there's going to come a time when you're going to need Jesus again. And so you better keep praying. You better stay on your knees no matter what because there's going to come a day when you're going to fight an army. A legion of hell may come after you at your job or in your marriage or in your finances where you're going to need the presence of the Lord to go with you to find victory again. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Don't forget to invite God's presence into your situation. The battle is not yours. This is where people mess up. This is where people mess up. That the fight is not about you. It's about what God put in you. When Jesus was born and when Moses was born, there was decrees set out to destroy all the male children under two years old. Because the devil wasn't after the children. He was after what was in them. And so you have to understand that the battle that you're fighting is really the Lord's battle. Here's where we lose. Here's where we lose. We think this is our fight. And this is a much bigger battle than we can even begin to imagine. In Ephesians 6, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Okay? So he's talking about putting on the full armor of God. Why? Because we do not wrestle against powers of darkness. I mean, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, excuse me. We wrestle against powers, principalities, rulers of darkness of this age. The fight isn't about you. It's the fight. The enemy is fighting against God's will in you because he knows that God's will dwells in you. He knows that there's a seed of greatness in you. He knows there's a future that God wants to produce through you, and he knows that if he can discourage you and get you frustrated and focused on you and getting you thinking this is your battle, you've lost already. And I told somebody the other day, they're like, how do you fight? I said, I don't. The battle is the Lord's. How do you beat the devil? Don't get in the ring with him. What an idea. 
What an idea. Write that down. If you want to beat the devil, don't get in the ring with him. But understand that the battle that you're facing right now is not against you. It's against your destiny and what God has put in you and he wants to produce. And if, if the devil can get you to so think that this is, oh, this is about me. This is about my marriage. This is about my, my work. This is about my money. This is about my future. You've lost the battle already because the battle is not yours but the Lord's. Now, do you have to collaborate with heaven? Absolutely. Do you have to do your part? Absolutely. Do you have to pray? Absolutely. But it's a partnership of accomplishing God's will, not God partnering with you to complete your will. Oh, Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And as we go into a quick video, quickly, bear with me one minute. My question to you is, as we're quickly going to bring the plane down. I want you to think to yourself, what does your Jericho look like? What is it that you have been wandering around and around and around? And you thought by now the walls would have fallen. You thought you would have been able to stop smoking. You thought you would have been able to get that marriage right. You thought you'd be able to stop that addiction. What relationship? What calling? What child have you been praying for? What health issue are you battling? What job? What issue in your finances? What does your walls look like? What does your Jericho look like? And here's the issue. I know that after the first lap, you could have been encouraged. You're like, yeah, I know the Lord's going to do it. First lap. Second lap. Third lap. I'm still encouraged, Lord. I know I can do it. I know prayers work. I know reading the Word works. I know going to church works. I know fellowshipping with other believers work. Fourth lap. Lord, I still believe your promises. Now there might be some tears. And and then there's the fifth lap. And you're getting tired now. And you're like, Lord, I, I I don't know if I can make it again. And now here you are on your sixth lap. And your walls are still standing. And you've been fighting, you've been pushing, you've been praying, you've been seeking the Lord, you've given offerings, you've given tithes, and your walls are still standing, and you're still frustrated. But don't give up on your last lap. And the Lord gave me a word for RCC this morning. You're closer than you think. Don't give up on the last lap. There was a man, an Afro-American man in Barcelona, and all the world was watching in the Olympics. And he did real good on that. Does anybody know who he's? I don't remember his name. Afro-American man. Really fast. And he, the gun goes off and he's running. And he does great on his first lap. You know, halfway around, wherever he's at. But all of a sudden, and this is known by most of the world. I, I was just Googling, you know, finish strong or something like that. And this came up. But as he is, as he's running... I think it's his Achilles heel snaps. He snaps and he goes down. His knee hits the ground. And everybody else keeps running and they finish the race. And he finishes last. All the stretchers come out. All the ambulance come out. All the health workers come out. And even his dad comes out. And you know what his dad does? His dad pushes away the ambulance. And he's refusing for them to take him. Take his son. And you know what he whispers over to his son if you see the video? Known all around the world. 
I don't care if my son finishes last. We're going to finish this race. We're going to finish this race. And this guy gets up with his Achilles heel shattered, snapped. And he hops. And he hops. And he hops. And he hops. And his dad comes alongside of him. Just like your daddy will in heaven. Your heavenly father will come around you at your weakest moment, even when your last lap is looking ugly and you got a stank face on and you're hurting and you're limping. He comes around you and picks you up and puts his arm around your shoulder and your shoulder around his and he drags you across your finish line. Here's my exhortation. Even when your last lap looks ugly, finish. Finish. No matter how the struggle is, no matter how much it's hurting, even if you're divorced on your last lap, even if you're about ready to give up on your marriage in your last lap, even if you're broken, have to live with mama for a little while, finish hard on your last lap. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing. Even if you got to eat tuna fish like I did, and I can name all the Raymond noodles. Finish your last lap. The blue ones are original. The pink ones are shrimp. The red one is beef. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Y'all don't know nothing about that peanut butter that I have your teeth about to fall out your mouth as hard as a rock. Even in your last lap, no matter what you're going through, even no matter how tough that relationship is, don't give up. Finish. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Finish. Come on, no matter how tough. No matter what your spouse is acting like, no matter how they treat you at work, no matter how broke you are, finish your lap. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.